How's everybody doing? Happy, happy Father's Day to all the dads. Happy Father's Day to me, I'm a dad. We wanna uh, welcome all the dads and all the families. Uh, thank you so much for coming today and spending uh, your Father's Day, a little bit of your Father's Day with us. I'm so excited about our program today and this special day. I know that for some of y'all, Father's Day is an awesome day to honor your dad. You love your dad, he's been a blessing to you. Um, and you wanna tell him all the great things he's done for you and tell him all the ways you appreciate him. But I also know there are a lot of people who, this is a sad day. Uh, you never had a dad, your dad left. You had a dad that was uh, not so nice to you. We have a program for all of you. We wanna be a blessing and encourage all of you today. Today, you're gonna hear from dads and children speaking life over each other and an amazing story of redemption. But before I start, I wanna pray for you. And here's what I wanna pray. As you're listening to all this dialogue back and forth and the story you're gonna hear and the, and the transformation that's happened in people's lives, I want you to be thinking about your life and not only as a dad or a child with a dad, but your relationship with God and the people in your life. Because every time God does something in someone's life, no matter the relationship between the people that it's happening, there is an eternal principle that can apply to your life. And so I pray that your heart is prepared to take what you're gonna to hear today and what you're gonna to learn today and apply it to everybody in your life. So let's pray for a minute. Lord, thank you so much for your faithfulness. Thank you so much for your goodness. And I pray you speak to us. I pray you prepare people's hearts for what they're gonna see. And I pray that the people who are, have a heavy heart because of their dad, something went wrong in their relationship with their dad. Something went wrong as a dad in their relationship with their kids. I pray for a healing, supernatural healing. I pray for forgiveness. I pray for redemption. I pray for transformation in families' lives. We don't want to just do this program for entertainment. We want to see people's lives and relationships transformed and ultimately that their relationship with you as our eternal divine father will be healed. In Jesus' name, amen. About 15 years ago, I was standing in my bedroom. My mother calls me. And I can tell by her tone that uh, something serious was happening. And she didn't talk very long before she said, um, your father has cancer. And I remember immediately my mind went to two places. One, he's gonna die. And then two, it started racing and racing as I had all these thoughts about how lucky I was to have him as my dad. How fortunate are all the kids in the world that I ended up, and no credit to myself, complete luck that I ended up with the dad that I had. How lucky I was to have a dad who came from work and without even changing his work clothes, played baseball with me, played football with me, had the kids on the block racing pole to pole. Um, I, I was lucky enough to have a dad that would make that sacrifice for me when he was tired, when he was hungry, when he didn't know how to play football because he didn't grow up playing football. He grew up in Jamaica, West Indies, came here as an immigrant when he was 13 years old. And how I was lucky enough to have a dad that would take all of us camping. And he hated camping. <laughs> he, he went out into the woods in his work clothes. He, hadn't, he didn't have no camping clothes. We knew he hated camping. He was grumpy driving there and grumpy the whole time and grumpy driving home but he did it because he wanted to bless us. And I was lucky enough to have a dad that came to all my games, even into my adulthood. Uh, my dad and how much of a blessing he was to me came into my mind instantly. My mother told me he had cancer. How lucky was I to have that dad? 
A great dad is one who is willing to work through his weaknesses, inadequacies to love his kids, care for his kids, spend time with his kids. And as my brothers and sisters, I knew our dad was very imperfect. He had weaknesses. He had things he wasn't good at. But what he was really good at was saying, I'm going to do whatever I can, the best effort I'm going to give for my family. I remember one time he told us a story that we had no money. Now, we didn't know anything about this when we were kids. And he was standing in the kitchen looking outside with snow coming down. And we had no oil in the tank underneath our house to give us heat. And he said, my dad, my kids are going to freeze. Now, I'm sure we could have gone somewhere else, but he was just sitting there. What am I going to do? And out of nowhere, the oil truck rolled up in front of our house and the guy rolled the, the, the pipe out of the oil truck and gave us oil. He never paid for it, never got a bill, didn't know what it was. I said, that, that was God. And he told us stories like that, that he was struggling with that. And we never knew that he protected us from all of that. I want to share a story about a dad whose son was demon-possessed, and his dad could not deliver his son. He had no power, at least he didn't think, to deliver his son. But yet he did something that not only am I going to encourage all you dads to do, I'm going to encourage all you children to do, all, all of you, you wives to do. There's something that this dad did in an effort to save his son, to deliver his son from the pain and torment he was in. In Mark chapter 9, verse 14, it says, When he came to his disciples, when Jesus came to his disciples, he saw a great multitude around them and scribes disputing with them. Immediately when they saw him, all the people were greatly amazed and running to him. They greeted him, and he asked the scribes, What are you discussing with them? And one from the crowd, the dad with the son, the demon-possessed son said, Teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit. Isn't it interesting? He brought his son to the disciples, and that's synonymous with bringing him to Jesus. And people get brought to the church. They're bringing those people to Jesus. And then it says, Whenever he seizes him, the demon, it throws him down, he foams at the mouth, he gnashes his teeth and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast him out, but they could not. And Jesus said, oh, faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. I wonder if he was talking about his disciple. I'm so tired of you guys. Can't do anything. <laughs> and he says, then they brought him to him. And when he, Jesus, saw him, the boy, the spirit, the demon convulsed him. He fell on the ground, wild and foamed at the mouth. Demon possession is very real. I've seen it. I've seen exorcism, been part of exorcism. This is very real. And he asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? Whenever Jesus asks a question, he's not asking the question because he doesn't know the answer. Whenever Jesus asks a question in the Bible, and he does all the time, he is asking a question to see, one, do you know the answer? And two, if you say the answer, I want everybody else to know it. And in this particular case, he's saying, Dad, I want you to tell me what's going on with him. Tell me, you know, tell me his medical history, but I want everybody else to hear What's been going on with your son? So when I heal him, when I deliver him, they understand my power. And he asked the father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, ever since he was a child. And often he has thrown him into the fire and the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And then he says, Jesus says, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. If you can believe, here's the question I have for you. You're going to hear all these inspirational 
dialogues between dads and children. You're going to hear an amazing story, and you're going to be challenged in your relationship with your dad. And you're going to be challenged as a dad in your relationship with your kids and your family. The question is, do you believe that what God has for you, you can walk into? And so he asked his dad, do you believe I can help your, your son? And here's what the father said. This is one of the most powerful verses in the whole Bible. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, I believe, but help my unbelief. There's a part of me that believes. Listen, there's a part of all of us that has a, we have a little bit of faith, but then there's things we don't, we don't know that we can do that. We can trust God enough. And this dad, all he had to do, and which is what he did, is he acknowledged his lack of faith, his unbelief, and he surrendered it to God. Boom. He acknowledged his weakness and he surrendered it to God. Can you do that? You may look at your family, look at your relationship with your dad, your kids, your family, and think, man, I can't overcome these, these obstacles. I can't change. I can't fix what was. Maybe you can't, but can you at least acknowledge that you can't and surrender to God? Can you clearly articulate, God, I can't do this. I'm scared about this. I'm weak over here. Can you at least do that? Because if you could do that, Jesus will do the rest. You take one step, he takes 20 steps. All Jesus needs for you to do is surrender your lack of faith and your unbelief. Now, remember, the ultimate goal for all of us dads and the rest of us is to be like our Father in heaven. The Bible says that we have a Father in heaven who rewards us openly for what we do privately. Matthew 6, 4 says that when you do your charitable deed in secret, God opens you openly. Isn't that amazing? We have a, a Father in heaven who publicly praises us like God did when Jesus was baptized in Matthew chapter 3. We have a Father in heaven who forgives. We have a Father in heaven who loves us always. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believed him would not perish but have eternal life. We have a Father who is merciful. Luke 6, 36 says, therefore, be merciful as your God and Father in heaven is merciful. We have a Father in heaven who gives us good gifts. James 1, 17, every good gift, every perfect gift is from above. It comes down from the Father of lights. We have a Father who loves us and empowers us to love others. This is the goal. And finally, we have a Father that will never leave us as orphans. He will never leave us alone, but will send his Holy Spirit to be with us and adopt us. All the dad in the story had to do was express the faith necessary to put himself in a position for God to move. All he had to do was surrender his lack of faith and unbelief. Before we see what happened in that story, we're going to see a few examples of dads and kids who did the same thing. To set up this first video, I want to ask you a question. What do you love most about your dad? For me, probably what I love most about my dad, he was always there. Um, especially, it's probably best illustrated in all the football games I played since I was 10 to 25. He was always there. And we had a game eight hours away when the team showed up in the bus. He and my mom were already there in the parking lot. He was always there. Check out this video. Be encouraged. What is it that you love the most about Daddy? You love me and I love you. I do love you. <laughs> I love you to the what? Moon and back. To the moon and back. What do you love most about me? I think you have a great personality. All the time? <laughs> yes. We read a book with Batman. You love when we read together? 
That's cool. I think you had like some glasses, a hat, and a little mustache, and it was so funny. I love to play football with you because um, you taught me how to throw a football. And I didn't even know how to throw a football. I Googled, how do you throw a football? And we learned together. Yeah. <laughs> I love that you are so funny and caring. And every time I come home, you're always the first one that comes to me and gives me a hug. That we get to play soccer together. I love playing soccer with you. I get to enjoy discovering how to help you be the best Avery possible. And that has been fun. I never hear you say I can't. And that makes me so proud. Thank you, Daddy. I love that. Do you have a favorite game that we play? Barbies. What? Barbies? You can't tell anybody. It makes me very proud that, that you're aware when people are feeling down and uh, you encourage them. So I really love that about you and, and your character. Thank you. What's your most favorite things that we do together? Go to a park to practice basketball. When you took me out surfing. <laughs> but also when you used to take me to 7-Eleven every day. Dad, what's yes. your favorite memory of me? when we danced together at our daddy-daughter dance. That had to have been the coolest thing that we've ever done together. I am proud of everything you do. <laughs> and you know how daddy sometimes likes to pull you in on conversations that you don't know what I'm talking about and say, Avery, uh, why don't you just pray for this person? And you totally do it and you totally bless people. I love your courage. That is something that makes me really proud. My favorite thing to do with you is going mountain biking because you always help me up when I fall and tell me to focus and remember Joshua 1.9, which mm -hmm. says, be strong and courageous, do not be afraid for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Tell me one or two things that you love most about dad. Mamas, it's okay. I can see in your eyes that you're nervous and it's okay. If you don't want to talk, you can tell us and we can go and that's okay. I can see it in your eyes. Do you want to do it or do you not want to do it? It's okay. Which one? I do want to do it. You do? Right. Okay, cool. Here's what I'm going to do with you. You ready? Let's take a deep breath. <laughs> I know you want to cry, but if we cry, oh, your face <laughs> is going to get all, oh my God, you're not going to look good on a camera, right? So we have to take those tears and just dry them in our eye. What do you love most about dad? That you're funny, that you do silly faces and say, happy birthday. Happy birthday! <laughs> I just love having you as my dad. Mm. Maddie, you're a party. Wherever you are, you bring God's presence. You bring his laughter, his joy, his beauty, his wonder. The way that you love, the way that you smile, <laughs> the way that you always find it important to help people laugh because you want our hearts to be filled with joy. And that baby is one of the most <laughs> amazing things I love about you. One of the proudest moments that I had was when I heard you say, I want to be a pastor like my dad. That, that affected my heart. Because I know that means you're watching and you see the impact that we can have. So that, to me, there's a lot. There's a lot of things, and you're gonna do a lot more things to come, but that's my proudest moment at the moment. Tissue, please. We're not soft. <laughs> okay, we're softy, son. It's part, it's part of the pastoral heart. You were the only dad that I've ever seen, actually, in my entire life, who brought a big shovel to the beach, and you would dig, how, how big was it? Six feet yeah, about by? Six 
feet deep by 12 feet wide. <laughs> and you would make a fort for us just for six hours at the beach. You know, so many of us are so busy, we rarely make time to tell our dads how much he means to us. If you had a chance to get face-to-face -face time with your dad, what would you share with him? I was probably 12 years old. He said, son, I want you to know that whatever you hear me say, you can say. And if you don't hear me say it, don't say it. And what you're doing is saying, model your life after me. And I said, okay, I have someone I can go to. I got a mentor, I got a dad, I got a leader in my life. And if I just follow this path, things are gonna be okay. That's, that's what I, I wanna do for my kids, is, yes, is be, be a dad that the kids wanna come to me and feel safe, not just that they're gonna get truth, but they'll get some love, and, and you gave me both that. So. Well, I think you're doing a great job. Thanks, Dad. I appreciate it. Dad, what was one of your favorite memories of me when I was little? I loved just being able to hold you, and you would just nestle right there next to me. Yeah, those are one of my favorite memories uh, of you as a little one. Daddy, where do you see me in 10 years? 10 years. You're 8 years old, so you'll be 18 years old. You'll be a senior in high school. <laughs> you're already going to have a strong uh, this is a big word, and I'll explain it. Platform. That means you're you're going to have a bunch of people that listen to what you say because you're going to have 10 years of really showing them Jesus and the way you behave, and you're very talented in surfing. So as you win these competitions, you're going to keep giving God the glory for that, and it's gonna it's gonna make a difference. And people are gonna go, whoa, wait a minute, it's gonna be pretty cool. Thank you. You're welcome. Anybody that's a parent understands that you learn from your children. And we're supposed to come to God like a child. So when you see children doing things that seem impossible, it's uh, one of the things that I'm proud about you. Two years of age um, is when she had to have brain surgeries and all these things. And um, she went to be with the Lord right before she turned four. So a two year period of trial never stole your joy. And I'm very proud of that because you can see that it's possible when there was no real reason to have joy, when there was a lot of pain, a lot of suffering. Your testimony, your life continues to speak and touch us, but also touch many people around. Your reach has went so much further. I can't wait to see the rewards that continue to pile up in heaven for your testimony that is still here on earth. When we wrestle together, I love when you let me hang you upside down like that. <laughs> I'm so proud that you're learning to pray. I'm proud that you're kind to your brother. I really, I really think that's special. I love how every time when the Chosen comes out, you always want to watch it with us. You always want to read the Bible with us. You just want us to grow more with God. You care about our future. And I'm just very grateful that I get to have a father or a parent that loves me dearly and cares about me as much as you do. Uh, well, what does daddy do for a job? Make money. Well, yeah, I hope so. But what does daddy do to get money? Where do I work? At the Rock Church. At the Rock Church. You speak on Sundays mm -hmm. and you preach and write your sermons. Well, I think that's really special and I'm so proud that when I speak, you come running down to the front of the stage and you sit there and you watch me and you always want to come listen to daddy. That makes me feel very special. You should be my baby. I love you. You give 150% to every person and every organization, every church you're a part of. 
and your family, you give 150%. Just one thing? Yep. Can I, can I give you a list of things? Just one thing. Okay. Um, the way you treat the people who everyone else walks by. So if it's like a homeless person, or if it's a kid in your class that doesn't have any friends, but you always look for the underdog, like the one person that doesn't really seem to fit in, and then you are really, really sweet to that person. And that makes me more proud than anything. Because you know why? Because that's just like Jesus. Thank you, Daddy. Dad, you ready? I got a good question for you. What makes you most proud of me? Well, where you're at today, being a pastor, mm -hmm. really, really proud of you. Thank you. Thanks, Dad. Makes me very happy. Love you, Dad. Happy Father's Day. Dad, I'm not sure where to begin, but I wouldn't be here today without you. So many life lessons, business lessons, athletic lessons and journeys that have impacted my life and have brought me to a place where I am, where I am today. And all I can say is thank you. The legacy of what you've given me and passed to me, I am passing on. And I'll be forever grateful for that. I just want to thank you for being my father and for being a good father. And I love you. When um, Grandpa passed away, mm. that was one of the hardest things. But you were always the one that could cheer me up and just tell me memories about him. And we could just talk about that he's in a better place now. And if I wanted to go to somebody to make me feel better, it'd be you because you just have that um, funny spirit in your heart, but not only funny, but it makes me happy. And I'm just very grateful for that. Mm, love you. Happy Father's Day. Mm. Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. <laughs> Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. Feliz, feliz cumpleaños. Feliz Navidad. Feliz, feliz. Feliz día. Día Padres. Padres. The Padres, the San Diego Padres. Día del Padre. Feliz día del Padre. Yes. I want you to listen as this woman shares about growing up without her father and through her own journey of doing the work to heal the father-daddy wounds that she had, God actually brought her something far better than she could ever hope for or imagine. Meet Katharina. My father figures that I've had growing up were both my grandparents and my uncle. And my uncle, pretty much raised me for half of my life. So he was the actual physical, tangible fatherhood that I had. I grew up not knowing where my biological father was. Um, he was absent since I was about one because he was on drugs and alcohol. And uh, my grandfather thought that it was better to be raised without, without that. I grew up not knowing about my father um, in that situation. I just, 
grew up knowing that he was just absent. And it wasn't until I was about 18 that I finally heard the real story of why he left. So I, I grew up not knowing, but once I knew it, I understood. So in 2016, I got a phone call saying that my dad, who I've never spoken to, never met before, just a random phone call said that my dad was dying. I just, I didn't really know what to do <laughs> with that information. And um, I ended up bringing that to pastors here at The Rock. And they really supported me and actually encouraged me to go and seek after my father, even though I was like, no, I don't want to. I really don't, didn't feel like I wanted to um, because I think of the anger, the frustration and the sadness. It was like, why would I want to go seek out somebody and spend time with somebody who didn't want the same? So I, after I was encouraged by a lot of pastors at The Rock and friends, and um, we ended up driving to Vegas to meet him. And just a few of us got into a van and the people who supported me and encouraged me. And we drove there and I just remember like this like anger built up inside of me. And I just know that's not of God. And so when we got to where he was staying, I just remember praying to God and said, God, I need to see him the way that you do because this is my chance. This is my chance to, to know him for whatever time he has left. And I don't want anger to be in the way of my understanding of why and his opportunity to know who you are. And so I prayed and I was just, God, just make me see him the way that you do. And um, immediately I just felt the peace of God just like upon me. And I was like, okay, this is what I'm meant to do. And I met him and he was the sweetest guy I've ever met. I didn't want to have the conversations of why weren't you there? What happened? All that stuff. I wanted to know him as who he was. It was my opportunity. And, um, and all he could do was apologize. And he, he described to me that the reason why he never sought me out is because he felt shame. And a shame is also from the enemy. And so when we walk in that, it prevents us from having opportunities that we want or we need. It was about a month and a half until he passed away. I actually got another call um, from the hospital saying that he has hours. And immediately, like, I have to be with him because he has no family. He has no friends. And so me and a couple of my friends who supported me dropped what we were doing, and we drove up to Vegas. And when I got there, he was unresponsive, so he couldn't speak. He couldn't really move. Um, but I had, like, talked to the, to the nurse, and she said, the last thing to go is their hearing. I had to really think about how I want to spend my last moments with him. And um, my friends were with me, but I asked them to leave to just have like one-on-one -on -one time. And I'm holding his hand and I'm asking him if he knows who Jesus is. 
and and I'm asking him, do you want to accept him in your life? And he squeezed my hand. And so for me, I took that as a response of, yes, I I want to know who Jesus is. And um, I... I um I prayed for him and he he always when the moment I met him and he found out that I sang I he's always wanted to hear me sing and so I just started singing amazing grace how sweet the sound and immediately you felt the peace of God and then him just go and he went to be with Jesus and that was my that was probably the hardest moment, but the joyous moment to know that even though somebody can hurt me so bad, can I can also put that aside and love them and watch them be with Jesus. Feeling the pain of rejection and fatherlessness, Catalina could have allowed that to shape how she approached life, but she did the work to get free of those negative experiences and negative feelings and the impact it had on her. She looked for positive male mentors who she found to be trustworthy over time. She got into therapy, but the most important thing she did, she looked to God to fulfill the ultimate father role in her life. I knew that I was called to worship in um, about 2012. I knew that God had placed something on my life. When I had first started singing, it was really challenging at first because I didn't have a lot of confidence (laughs) at all. And um, that started building as I had pastors who really saw something in me and encouraged me, not only taught me, but gave opportunity when I was ready for it. I first met my in-laws the same day, but we didn't really talk much. (laughs) because we don't speak each other's language. Um, He's fluent in Spanish and I'm not, and I wish I was. But as I got to spend more time with my father-in-law and my my boyfriend at the time's family, I just started noticing that the traits that Jesse had are from his parents. It was humility, he's passionate, and he's kind-hearted. And those are things that, I mean, there's so many more that I can say. But those are the three that stuck out to me. And not only does my father-in-law have them, but he passes along to his son. My father-in-law has really, truly, authentically showed me what it's like to be loved by a father. You'll notice that Catalina mentioned three key attributes that stood out about her father-in-law. One, he was humble. Humility is not thinking less about yourself. It's thinking about yourself less. It's having an accurate view of who you are and who you are not. Jesus humbled himself to the point of death for our salvation. She mentioned that he was passionate. He had fervor. He had enthusiasm, fire about life. God is passionate about you. He is very enthusiastic about loving you, blessing you, spending time with you, and opening up opportunities for you to become who he created you to be. And finally, she said her father-in-law was kind-hearted, generous, considerate of others. My father-in-law gave this really incredible speech um, at our wedding. And 
His speech was talking about his protection for me as his daughter, his love for me as his daughter, his excitement that I'm going to be his daughter. And, um, and uh, I'm not surprised that he said something like that because he's told me before. And what I love most about him is that he doesn't need the world to know. He just needs the person to know. And so when I say I'm not surprised, it's because he told me that before he told the world that he wants to protect me, he wants to love me, he wants to cherish me, he wants to guide me as a fatherly figure. And um, that's something that we all want. And it's super awesome because he's here with me today. And we get to hear in his own words what he thinks of me. When they were married, I gave words for them. Y en esas palabras para mí era como tocando mi corazón adentro de mí de saber realizado un sueño de ver a mi hijo casado con Catarina. Entonces, cuando yo estuve en ese momento y que me dieron el micrófono, era como una emoción de mi, mi corazón. Era, oh, bien ex, excited. Pero y yo dije, um, gracias a Dios por mi hijo, pero también tengo una hija. Cuando yo tuve a mi hija en ese mismo momento, era como... Te amo, mija. Te quiero. Es, te voy a proteger. Te voy a cuidar. Eres la hija que yo siempre pedí a Dios. Lo anhelé, lo decía. Y, y esas palabras yo recuerdo que salieron de mi corazón porque fue espontáneo. Fue algo directamente de mi corazón y yo lo sentí. Y cuando yo dije esas palabras, la miré a los ojos y yo le dije, mija, te amo, te quiero. I love you so much, mija. Yo le dije, te amo mucho porque tú eres mi hija y yo te voy a proteger, te voy a cuidar. Y, y hasta el día de hoy yo se lo he dicho a ella, mija, te amo mucho y todo lo que vayamos a hacer de hoy en adelante te voy a defender porque tú eres mi hija. Porque yo oré un día a Dios por una hija. Yo la necesité, yo la pedí a Dios y Dios me trajo a ti y tú eres mi hija. Por eso es que estoy bien feliz y bien contento. Eso era un resumen de lo que yo pude haber dicho en, en la boda en ese entonces. So we're going to do a song that a friend wrote for me um, a few years back for this particular reason. Um, so we're going to sing it as father and daughter and my husband's going to join us. So.
Maybe you didn't have a good example of what a father looked like or acted like. Or maybe you're a father not doing a good job. You're not the father figure that your kids need so far. But today, God can do something in your life. And we want to give you an opportunity. In that story I started earlier, I just want to wrap it up. I want to tell you what happened at the end. Because after Jesus asked that dad, do you have the faith to believe? And he says, I believe, but help my unbelief. It says, Jesus saw the people came running together. He rebuked the unclean spirit, saying, you deaf, dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. And the spirit convulsed him greatly and came out of him. And he became as one dead, so they said he is dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. If you have faith today, I want to give you an opportunity to surrender your unbelief to God. Whether you're a dad, you're not a dad, and that means everybody else, God loves you, he has a plan for your life, and he wants you to surrender to him your lack of faith, your unbelief, your doubt, your fear. I remember when I gave my life to Christ, I was like, am I going to have to, is my life going to be changed so radically I'm not going to like it? I just said, God, I just have to trust you. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That means every single one of us does this to God. (laughs) Every day we tell God, I don't want to listen to you on that one. And the Bible says the penalty of sin is death, that when you do this to God, something dies. You're pushing away an opportunity. It just died. You're pushing away some joy. It just died. You're pushing away clarity in your life. It just died. But if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you just tell God, God, I just trust you. I don't understand all the facts. I don't understand how you hear my voice. I don't understand how you're going to change my life, but I trust you. So I'm surrendering to you my unbelief, my lack of faith, my fear, my doubt. And I'm going to give my life to you. So in a minute, we're going to pray. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes and just to give your life to Christ. Trust me. You're not giving your life to a church or institution. You're giving life. You're giving your life to the God who created you and has a plan for your life. And you know it. You know there's more to life than what you have. And you know there's something going to happen after you die. It's giving your life to that guy. Now, if God wanted to hurt you, he would have destroyed you a long time ago probably most of the pain in your life you brought in yourself or people in your life. God's the ones sustaining you through it. But imagine how good your life can be if you said, God, I'm giving it to you instead of fighting him. So I'm going to ask you right now, bow your head, close your eyes, or you can bow your eyes and close your head, however you want to look at it, and listen very carefully. Lord, thank you so much for everyone who's listening. Thank you so much for your love for us. Thank you so much for your grace your undeserved favor in our life. And everybody listening knows you love them. They know you do. They know you're real. They know they can't look around the sky and the moon and the stars and the ocean and the snow and the animals and think, oh, there wasn't some amazing, powerful creator behind that. But most of all, they can't look in the mirror and think that they're just an accident. They know they're beautiful. They know they have a soul. They know they have dreams. They know they have passion. They know there's something that's beyond this life. If you would like to give your life to Jesus and surrender your lack of faith, pray this prayer with me in the privacy of your heart. Pray, dear God, I believe you love me. I believe I'm a sinner. And I believe Jesus died and rose from the dead for my sin. 
Jesus, please forgive me. I surrender my life to you. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. Thank you for your love and your patience. In Jesus' name, amen. If you just prayed that prayer, you just asked Jesus to be your Savior. It's a relationship, and we would love to help you with that relationship. So I'm going to ask you to text the word SAVED to 52525. That's SAVED to 52525, and we want to help you in your relationship with God. thank all of you for your financial support of this ministry. We can't do this without your generosity. But I want to encourage you in your giving because it says in in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, Jesus says, don't store up your treasure here on earth where moths eat and rust destroys and where thieves break in and steal. But store up your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, 
That's where your heart is. Uh, we all have riches in heaven in, on earth. We got bank accounts. We got all the, you know, our house, our car, whatever it is. Uh, that all is going to pass away when we see it come and go. When you invest in the kingdom of God, not only with your money, when you love people, when you encourage people, you have riches in heaven. This whole idea of riches is not a man thing. It's a God thing. And so when you give to uh, this ministry or any ministry, God blesses you. So we want to thank you for your giving because we know it's a sacrifice and we know it impacts your life, but we also know it impacts your life in a positive way. So I want to pray for you before we take our offering um, and just bow your heads and pray. And I pray that God would stir your heart, inspire you, encourage you, give you clarity on how much to give uh, to this ministry. Lord, Lord, thank you so much for the opportunity to be a blessing to you. Thank you so much for the opportunity to give. And I pray that you bless the giver, that the riches that are being stored in heaven by their generosity, that you would give them a glimpse of what that might be. Multiply it a hundred times in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would like to give, please text HOPE to 52525. That's HOPE to 52525. God bless you. Happy Father's Day. And we'll see you next week.